Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Last night, Guru, I bumped into one of the Kalani Val Bombers players. They're about to hold their gala presentation night at Mingara. The Premiers of 2022 and their coach joins us, Corey Shackleton. Good morning, Shaq. Welcome back to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's, uh, it's a long morning so far. Yeah, I bet it has been. Uh, as you know, Steve-O won a lot of awards at the Kalani Val Bombers, but who scooped the pool this year? Who won best and fairest? Uh, who got the coach's award? Who's most versatile at the Premiers in 2022? Yeah, it was a good night. Um, and you're right, you did win a lot of awards at the Bombers, mate. But uh, for, uh, for, this year, for this year, the uh, yeah, the main prize, I guess, the best and fairest went to, to Josh Mishford. You know, he's the... He's a Rolls Royce in our midfield, so it was you know well deserved. Um, and you know he was pretty, he's a pretty emotional guy, and he was pretty pretty stoked to get the win of BNF. And obviously it's pretty special in a in a year when you're the when you're the premier. So that was yeah. that was great. Um, most versatile went to the young jet uh, Luke Flack. He's he proved a you know, real pivotal cog for us in in big moments in matches where we could swing him forward or back and you know release him from the wing. So you know he for us was was definitely a, a very deserved winner of that award. And then. The coach's award went to one of our new players for the club this year, actually, a guy called Tom Sawyer. Uh, he played a half-forward role for us and just just does all the hard yards, all the hard work, all the little things. You know, he wears the GPS vest and he does about 16K a week for us. So he's a, just a gut runner and, yeah, a really, really pleasure to coach. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, is Tom Sawyer the real name or a stage name? <laughs> no, that's his, that is his real name. That is his real name. <laughs> yeah, guys, Shaq, Gary Birkinshaw here, mate. Congratulations on a, on a good year. And, Look, winning the best and fairest is, is at any time is fantastic. But to win it when your when your your team wins a wins a premiership is, is even a little bit extra special. Can you tell us a bit about Josh and what makes him so special? Yeah, you're right. I mean, to, to win to win it in a, in a premiership year obviously does make it that little more special. And and in a midfield that you know was was quite strong. You know, Joshy was. Joshy won the award, and, and Rick White was runner-up, and, and Damien Hector was third. You know, so it was a it was a midfield year when it comes to um to the boats. Um, but yeah, Joshy missed it. Like he's a he's an inside midfielder, but you know he's also so clean and so good with his delivery. Like he plays he plays almost like an outside player, but he's just an absolute inside midfielder. And this year with all the rain, it actually it probably played into his hands because he's one of the cleanest players I've ever seen in wet weather footy. His ability just to to pick the ball up and make it look like a dry day is, is second to none. So he almost had a had the advantage that he was playing dry weather footy all year and everyone else was running around in the mud. So, but uh, he, I think that's his fourth best and fairest potentially for Clarnival. Like he's he's up near now as one of the greats, you know, of, of the club with what he's achieved. And he's he's still only 25 or something. You know, like he's a uh, yeah amazing, not a kid yeah, anymore, so he's an amazing young man. So he's almost caught Paul Harrison, who's a five-time best and fairest winner. Uh, the other thing that stands out for me is the fact that Tim Oosterhoff wins the league best and fairest, but hasn't run top three in the club best and fairest. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, that happens at times, doesn't it? Obviously, he catches the eyes of the umpires, you know, we kick a big bag of goals. Um, and I guess, I guess for us, he's still, he's still polled all right, but, um, I guess for the guys doing the, the votes each week, and it's, and it's not actually me most of the time, but they, I guess just the, the awards were going to the guys that were doing the hard yards through the middle and probably looking at more of the, you know, the, the style and the way we want to play and the guys that are executing that. Um, yeah, Jimmy finishes everything off and obviously he's an extreme talent. Um, but yeah, it's always interesting to see how the you know Harvest and Ferris line up with you know the big awards. We see it in the Brownlow as well, don't you? Sometimes the Brownlow medalist might not win a Harvest and Ferris, but but Timmy was our senior player of the year. Obviously, recognising what he achieved, Elliot Davy medal and kicking 100 goals in the season, so he got some due recognition as well for a great season. Hey Gaz, did that ever happen to you? It, it certainly happened to me on on the Gold Coast under 18 level, where you win a league best and Ferris, but one of your players at your own club won the club best and fairest because... And he was an outstanding player, too, in the midfield. Yeah, no, I never won any league best and fairest, so it probably but, never happened to me. But, but uh, you but did I, set some records in oh, country AFL, didn't you? I did, I did, but, um, but yeah, never won that, that league best and fairest. Yeah, won yeah. a club best and fairest. You've got to um, share it with the audience. I, I've uh, seen it. It's hanging up in the pool room at your place. It is, yes. I did manage to <laughs> kick uh, 30 goals in, in the first grade game um, up in Northwest. So, yeah, that was, that's my claim to fame. Hey, Shaq, did you know that? He's almost done a Mick Smith. I, I didn't know that. That is a phenomenal effort. I've, that's the closest I've heard to someone who getting close to his feet. So that's, that's excellent at 30 goals. Wow. I didn't yeah. get it my whole life. <laughs> Pretty hard for fullback, Shaq. <laughs> hey, Shaq, uh, mate, were there any kind of special announcements last night? Because I've mentioned on this show before that I spoke to Rick White after the grand final and he thinks that, you know, that might be it for his stellar career. Can you... Elaborate on were there some emotional moments? Um, I actually put it on Rick on, when he came up on the stage and said, "Oh, and we're hearing rumours that you might not play." And Rick, being Rick, he's pretty guarded. I, I think Rick will make his decision probably as we get closer after Christmas and how the body's going. I think he, I think he wants to still play footy, but as you know, as you get older, the Mondays and Tuesdays at work get a bit harder, and you know he's got a young family now and spends a lot of time with them so you know being able to run around and keep up with them probably makes it harder when you, you bat it up um, and Rick plays that style of footy where you know his body's given a bit of punishment but no there was no announcements you know in that regard you know the only announcements probably really that was just we've got the same coaching group you know going again next year which is which is really nice um, but otherwise no we're, we're still hanging on to hope that we'll get Rick for another year yeah, he's one guy that deserves to be chaired off the field at the Adelaide Street Oval. Uh, you need a couple of big guys to do it. But, um, yeah, he's been absolutely outstanding from the moment he came through as a junior and with an incredible motor. He was a, an elite 800-metre runner. You know, we know that he's 6'4", you 6'5", know, and thumping left foot kick and really strong and powerful as well. Guru? Yeah, look, a fantastic player, Rick. So you mentioned a lot, Shaq, about the night last night, but, but I, I'm led to believe that... The, the big story was before the night it even even happened as, as players were were going into the event and they, they walked past an esteemed radio host just coming fresh from a, a yoga session so he was in his leotard and coming out from yoga can you can you clarify a little bit more on that I can't confirm nor deny that but uh, it, it does sound right I did I did hear some rumours I didn't witness it but I did hear some rumours yeah hey uh, can we um, just move the conversation to to a bit of a sad note, Shaq. Did you ever get the opportunity to meet Kenny Williams at the Sydney Swans? Uh, he's passed this week at the age of 93, and 
I think this is one that's touched everyone. My wife Sharon sent me a message earlier in the week and yeah, the heart and soul of the change rooms. There's been some beautiful tributes, including Jude Bolton. He's had a couple of thousand likes of a post that he put up. But, yeah, what a man. That, just absolutely incredible. You said, Guru, that did Tony Lockett, <laughs> Tony Lockett tried to kill him one day at the SCG? Yeah, so when Tony was... So, so Kenny Williams and his family, they used to always line up behind, on, right on the fence, right behind the goals and... It was this particular day they play. It was when Tony was playing for for St Kilda, and it was a game where he um, he, he actually put an elbow on Peter Cave and broke his nose, and and the Swans actually uh, St Kilda made a big comeback to win the game. So so Tony Lockett's run into an open goal, and and when he's kicked the ball, like Kenny would have been no no more than would have been five metres away, and Tony's kicked, it and and Kenny and his family have all dived for covers, dived for cover under the fence. It was one of the funniest things things you ever see, but it was a you know. He was just such a passionate you know, Swan supporter. Born, born in South Melbourne, then moved to Sydney as a jockey, worked with TJ Smith, but he was a regular there behind the goals in the, in, in the circle when they, when, they, uh, when they sung the song after the game and a regular at training. So, look, a sad loss for, for the Swans. And, um, and look, yeah, we passed on our best, to, to obviously, to his family. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Shaq? Yeah, I mean, I was never never got to meet the guy. I've obviously seen a lot of him, and and I think it um it does resonate. I mean, you might remember Bob Brown, you know, Carnival circles. Yeah, I think every club has has someone, you know, like that. It just you know really does touch the players, and, you know, means so much. So I can only imagine you know, how much like the likes of Jude Bolton and those guys that were you know tight in that Sydney circle would would feel and be hurting because yeah, like I mean, those guys are bleeding to the club. You know, a pretty special people. So it is a it is a sad day for, for the Swans and footy to see those guys like a Laurie Nichols, I guess. Yeah, and uh, as soon as you started to mention that, I thought about Bob Brown. Like you know, he had his spot upstairs at the Adelaide Street Oval, where you know there'd always be a schooner ready for him. And uh, you know, we absolutely loved him in the change room, no doubt about it. Hey, Shaq, we haven't spoken to you since the Cats annihilated Sydney in the grand final. What a performance from from Dad's army. You know, the ageing roster at the Cats were just phenomenal on grand final day. And since then, we've heard of a couple of retirements, including the legendary Joel Selwood. Yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing performance, really. Like, I, I didn't really see it coming, to be honest. I thought they might have got the chocolates, but not in the way they did. Uh, they just started to get out of the blocks and never looked headed, did they? It was just, um, they just controlled the game and didn't let Sydney into the contest. It was amazing. And like you said, they lose Joel Selwood. But otherwise, what they've done over the, I guess, the, the period in terms of the trade period, it's been outstanding. And they look like they're just every bit of a chance to go again next year, despite, you know, continually being referred to as Dad's Army. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you should mention that, Shaq. Look, it's a, it's a, I think it's a good media line. I really do. But I think when you look at the way sports science has changed, and, and full credit to, to Brad Scott, he had that... His side primed to the to the minute. They did the did the work during the year where they were able to, you know, to, to rest players they needed. I remember Patrick Dangerfield's a classic case. Yeah, you know, there would have been a number of times during the year where he had coming off a calf injury and he said, I'm right to play this week, and Geelong said no, and oh, I'll play next week, no. And they, they rested him an extra two or three weeks because they didn't want him in round 15 firing. They wanted him in the final firing. And look, the final series that he had just probably really epitomises the job and, they did. And boys, could you imagine if Dangerfield went through his career without winning a flag? Uh, and also, Jeremy Cameron, for that matter. The way they managed Jeremy Cameron this year, and what a superstar he is, always has been, even when he was at the Giants. 
Yeah, you look at that as well. And just the way that they've been able to, you know, so Jeremy Cameron comes in and everyone's thinking when he comes in, oh, great, he'll be a replacement for, for Tom Hawkins. He's not a replacement for Tom Hawkins. He, I reckon he, he's, he compliments Tom Hawkins. He, Tom Hawkins' game's gone to another level. He's yeah. gone from not only having to kick the goals now, but he, the number of goal assists that Tom Hawkins has now is phenomenal. And I think that, and that's, you know, that's because of Jeremy Cameron's coming there, played... It takes a lot of pressure off him as well. And then you get Tyson Stengel, Stengel who comes in from from virtually, you know, from, from the wilderness effectively. He's had a couple of AFL clubs where it didn't work out to come in and have the year he had. And, uh, look, it's full credit. They do it very well off-field there. And, it, it's, you know, they, they contend every single year, which in, in this day and age in, in the professional sport where salary caps and, and drafts and things like that, to down to compete every year is a credit to their, their club. And, Shaq, you'd know more than us because you're a student of the game, but... Didn't they change the way they used their ruckmen around the ground? So, effectively, they didn't want, like, a lumbering tractor or a camel of a ruckman. They wanted someone super mobile, and so they changed the way the positions played. Yeah, and I think that's the way the game's evolving. I mean, to be honest, that's almost the way, from a client of our perspective, we play with, with Jai Bobi this year. You, kind of, you see that with the good side and things. As you said, you kind of can't afford to have a 120-kilo guy that just kind of mopes around the field. You want you want guys that have got mobility and they can become an extra on baller and they can, you know, start to hurt sides, you know, with that with that running. So, yeah, I think that's... And that ruck position becomes, you know, so key. And I think the, to Gary's point before, too, like the way they've brought in Jeremy Cameron and then released, you know, I guess, Hawkins and the way he uses the ball in general play is, is outstanding. So I think that forward line has revolutionised itself and that's, the story of Stengel is just... Yeah, amazing in itself as well. So yeah, there's so many good stories out of that one win, uh, and and again for Dangerfield to win a premiership feels like it's just so deserved as well. So I mean I'm not a Cats fan by any stretch, but it was there were so many nice things to come out of it. Yeah, yeah, they showed so much class after they won as well. Hey, uh, normally you'd hold your presentation night at the club. Mingara must have loved having you there, and yeah, that's a that's a club that means so much to the whole community. So. Uh, what was the feedback on holding it there last night? Oh, I think it was good. Like, I mean, obviously it's great for the club to host it at Adelaide Street, but at the same time, it's nice for, you know, the volunteers and that not to have to be organising the night and just to turn up. And Mingara put on a really good show and Michael Smith, um, you know, women's coach, got all the night all set up and then put on a, you know, an absolutely great event. I think there was 150, 60 people there and, you know, it was, it was packed and, yeah, it was, it was nice actually to be at a different venue and just sit back and enjoy it and obviously celebrate a pretty good season. Hey, can you just give us the final numbers? So Josh Mifsud wins best and fairest at the Premiership winning Kalani Vale Bombers. What was, what was his final tally? And tell us about the runners-up. Uh, I think he finished on about 95 votes, and I think he was about 30 votes clear of, of second, which was Rick White. And then I think from second through to about fifth, there was only a couple of votes that separated us. So it was first daylight for second, and then it was just an arm wrestle from there all the way through the votes. So, yeah, he was, he was comfortable in the end. Yeah. So Shaq, so presentation night's always seen as a as the end of one season. So, but yeah, the, the seasons quick you know, click over pretty quickly now. So, so as premiers, where where do we go to from here? So, what's your program as, as head coach? When when do we expect to see the players back on track? Yeah, we um a bit like the story with we talked before about Geelong and that ability to keep getting themselves up. I guess you've got to start climbing the mountain again. You know, you start back at the bottom and you do it all again. So we start on the fifteenth of November. And the boys get back from their footy trip on the Monday and we uh we start training on the Tuesday. So I guess from now on 
I'm going to make them hurt for a little bit. We've got six weeks then before Christmas that we'll um we'll work pretty hard, get the case back in the legs. We've got a, we want to build a pretty strong base. So then once we get into into the season, we've got a bit of room to move with fitness, and we can spend time on our structures and, and that. So yeah, six weeks hard till Christmas. We've got six weeks after Christmas. We'll, we'll we'll kind of shorten training up into more dynamic, hard repeat efforts and recovery focus. And then we've got a pre-season camp, which will basically put a exclamation mark on that part of our season. And then from this pre season camp in the mid-Feb, we then transition into preparing for the season. It gives us six weeks for trial matches and back into our structures. Hey, boys, uh, on the text line, 0477 736 736, it sounds like Buttes might be on shaky ground. So this text message says, Gaz are going great. And this guy, I'll give you a, give you a clue. He was the rookie of the year in the National Rugby League at the Newcastle Knights before Andrew Johns. And he says, so champion halfback, played almost 200 games in the National Rugby League. And he says here, Shaq is killing it. So, but he also says, where's Buttes? <laughs> so, good on you, Shaq. Uh, you've got a vote of approval from former halfback of the year in the National Rugby League. Uh, good on you, mate. Thanks for your time. Uh, giving you a standing ovation again. Congratulations to Kalani Vale Bombers. What a season. And I've got one word for you, mate. Dynasty. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it was Thanks, a great guys. grand Thanks. final. Thanks, please, please, please. It was a terrific grand final. Well done to Terra Lavoca as well, who've been a powerhouse in this competition.